This is getting out of hand. Now there are two of them. Where's your innovation, huh? Sequels suck. Do the same thing. Everyone's happy. It's all about the money, boys! Here we go again. Hey guys, and welcome to this special mini-sode of Franchise Fatigue. Uh, we are a show that normally talks about film series one movie at a time. I am your host, Gabe Green, and with me is my co-host, James Hamrick. What's up, dude? Nothing much. Ready to talk about some Comic-Con news in my completely empty apartment. Uh, this will be fun. Yeah, so uh, we are currently in the middle of the MCU. Uh, we just did Thor The Dark World last week. Um, but since both of us will be traveling next week, uh, we're just going to do a short mini-sode for, that, for the, this week's release. Um, and uh, since Thor The Dark World marked the uh, last Blu-ray to have a one-shot, we decided to just uh, talk through all the Marvel one-shots, which, is, which are just these funny little I guess, you know, short, short films that would often accompany uh, the features and tell like a little side story or something, some kind of little consequence or behind the scenes thing that happened uh, often with a uh, shield agents uh, within that story. So yeah, so let's just uh, dive right into them. Uh, the first one is the consultant. This was released on the Thor Blu-ray. This one was made actually made after a funny thing happened on the way to Thor's hammer. And that short had used up so much of the budget that was allotted to making these two films uh, that the only way they could afford to make it was just to have two guys sitting and talking in a diner. Um, which actually, actually turned out to be a pretty good choice. Um, this one had uh, obviously Clark Gregg as Agent Coulson, and they brought in uh, they brought in a Maximiliano Hernandez as Jasper Sitwell. This uh, this and uh, a funny thing happened in the way of Thor's hammer, which is just a ridiculously <laughs> long title and gonna have to say way too many times. Uh, they were both directed by a fellow named Latham, and I couldn't find anything on this dude. Like these are his his or hers only two credits. Like the person doesn't exist outside of directing these two shorts. And this one is about uh, Coulson and Sitwell meeting at a diner to discuss S.H.I.E.L.D.'s attempt to acquire the Abomination for the Avengers. Um, and uh, what are your thoughts on this one, James? Uh, I think it's pretty funny. I enjoy it. Um, I'm usually not like a big fan of like retroactively changing something. Like, I mean, by the end of Hulk, you know, we all think he's there to to get Hulk. But I don't know. In, in this instance, I think it's actually pretty funny. Um, and I just, I like Clark Gregg so much and <laughs> seeing him just talk with Maximilio Hernandez is just always going to be fun. They, they have great chemistry together. Just like the, the way they played off each other. I, I can do a great Patsy. Yes, you can. Your Patsy is legendary. In fact, when I think of the word Patsy, <laughs> it's just so good. I, I love like that, that both of them are like these really weird maladjusted nerds and yet they are the ones behind the scenes actually running the world. And I like that, you know, this is back, this was released with Thor, but even then they're really setting up just how uh, incompetent the World Security Council is and <laughs> how little Fury respects them. I just lo- lo- love the hard cut from like, you know, we have to send someone who will truly annoy him, someone arrogant and abrasive with an understanding for authority, someone, someone who will offend the general to his very core. You're talking about the consultant. No, I'm not. I'm not talking about the consultant. Don't you say it. <laughs> you cut it. Cut to Tony Stark and the, uh, the Incredible Hulk. Uh, that. It's not a pro- the it's not a post credit scene, but it might as well be. It was actually originally filmed to be one. Yeah, with pre credit scene or whatever, which is which is a funny scene in its own right, but it, it makes it so much funnier knowing they said Tony Stark because he's the guy who's gonna you know really piss off General Ross. You can definitely tell that they had to uh, constrain themselves with this, but like I think that's just a testament to how how fun the two characters are that we can just watch them at a at a diner talking to each other. Tried to have Stark thrown out. How'd that go? Stark bought the place. It's scheduled for demolition on Thursday. <laughs> Just the great, greatest ending. So yeah, not a lot happens in that one. And the next one probably even less happens in. Uh, a funny thing happened on the way to Thor's hammer. This one was released on the Captain, Cap, 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 Captain America, the first Avenger Blu-ray. This one has Coulson stopping at a gas station for snacks and then saving the place from an armed robbery. Um, and I just love that Colson listens to swing music while he drives. <laughs> yeah, honestly, that's that's probably what makes most sense. Yeah, it, not not much happens. It's just that uh, I like I like getting to watch him be competent in the field. I, mean, I guess not the field, but just you know, in some sort of confrontation. And uh, I actually think like the little bit of of action that's here is surprisingly cool looking. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, like the just the way he throws and runs, like the kicking the gun down is just a really cool move and it surprisingly doesn't look super cheap and stupid. Yeah. I guess that's where all the budget went for these two shorts. It's weird. we I usually include these in like in my marathons and so 
pairing this right between him leaving Tony from Iron Man 2 to seeing Thor. It just, I don't know, it's really fun. Yeah, you can tell that they're really prepping the audiences to fall in love with Coulson. If by some miracle they hadn't in Iron Man, Iron Man 2 and Thor, these two, uh, these two shorts really, uh, <laughs> really get ready, you know, prepare us to be hurt in the Avengers. And the next one is where they actually get kind of serious. Uh, or not that serious, but like they put a lot more effort into these shorts with that item 47. This one was released on the Avengers Blu-ray. Um, and the previous two were about three minutes, three or four minutes each. And this one was, I believe, around 12 minutes. It stars uh, Lizzie Kaplan and Jesse Bradford as a couple who found a Chitari gun after the Battle of New York and used it to rob banks. And Agent Sitwell attempts to track them down. It also introduced uh, Titus Welliver as S.H.I.E.L.D. Agent Blake, uh, who I guess goes on to appear in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, you've, seen that, you've seen that show, right? Yeah. Yeah, he shows up every now and then. Okay. <laughs> I love he's He's so good at just playing this miserable bureaucrat. <laughs> he's got the face for it. Yeah. Uh, this one was directed by uh, Louis D'Esposito, um, who is the actually the co-president of Marvel Studios, and I think he's the pretty much like the second in command under Kevin Feige. You know, he's a, like a producer on all the films, and he's he often goes around with Feige to a lot of the events and whatnot. So, and uh, speaking of Agents of Shield, this short was what inspired uh, the highly successful Agents of Shield TV show, uh, which started airing in late 2013. And another note of interest is that uh, the music for this was done by composer Christopher Leonard, uh, who I know best uh, for taking over the Medal of Honor series after Michael Giacchino had moved on to uh, bigger things. Well, how does it compare to Giacchino? I don't. I, I don't know. I never listened to Giacchino. <laughs> I just I, I play. I played a uh, European Assault a lot, and the, the the menu music is really epic. Nice. That's all I remember. Um, is it just me or does Lizzie Kaplan look a lot like Kat Dennings? I, I always thought she looked like um. Oh gosh, what's her name? She's from Elf. She sings. Zoe Deschanel. Zoe Deschanel. Yeah, she uh, and because she's all. This is Lizzie Kaplan. She's also from Cloverfield, right? Uh, oh yeah, that that is her, isn't it? Yeah, I've always thought her and Zoe Deschanel and Katy Perry have all looked very similar to me. Uh huh. This one's just kind of funny. It, it, it's really well done. Like the the production value, like the effects. They didn't skimp on the effects at all. Like I didn't notice any gaps in the effects there's no moment where like oh they obviously had a lower budget because of the short like this and they don't and it's not like they're avoiding effects like they're showing the gun going off and blasting things all over the place a lot of really cool practical effects like they put they put some work into this that was the thing that i liked the most is that you feel like the camera could have just kind of continued after the avengers and found them somewhere because it, it feels there's a there's really good continuity between the visuals of this and the avengers and like i said when they're they're shooting the guns and blowing through walls and stuff it doesn't feel like that's the that's the one thing that you have to just get used to whenever you watch things like Agents of Shield. Even though like I really love that show, it can mm -hmm. feel budget, but it was cool being able to pair this like and what for us watch it immediately after Avengers and not feel like you just lowered your quality by this huge step. Mm -hmm. And this was fun. Yeah, I think uh, I think uh, Kaplan and Bradford actually have some decent chemistry together as a couple. They're just kind of cute to watch. I love how uh. Brad, uh, Bradford's just like co like constantly helping people. He's helping the old lady, like dusting off the the uh, security guard, and she's like yelling at him to hurry up. I kind of I, whenever I first watched it because I heard that they were going to kind of use this as the the jump start or not the jump start, but like use this as a, a proof of concept thing for for the show. And I was actually hoping they'd be able to get them to return because I thought they were fun. really funny. Yeah, like just start the show. They're the main characters. Yeah. Uh, and I, I really like their their opening scene, the way they played in the car, you know, yeah. not at all introducing it as a heist. It was really fun. Mm -hmm. And uh, Sitwell gets, like, I, I kind of wish Sitwell had gotten more before he got thrown in front of a truck. Because <laughs> um, he's actually pretty funny. Uh, I, I'm not sure who has it worse, either Lizzie Kaplan or Titus Welliver at the end there. I think they both probably got the short, <laughs> the short end of the straw there. Yeah, so... A nice, fun little short kind of dealing with the consequences of uh, New York. Um, and then there's Agent Carter. This one was released on the Iron Man 3 Blu-ray. It follows Peggy Carter as she struggles to prove herself as an agent in peacetime. Uh, this was again directed by Diaz Pizzito, and the music was also composed by Leonard's. Um, Haley Atwell returned as Peggy Carter. Uh, Bradley Whitford, it's a crazy big name for something like this, uh, plays her superior. And Dominic Cooper and Deal McDonough uh, both briefly reprised their roles as Howard Stark and Dum Dum Dugan, which is the best name ever. Yes. Um, much like Item 47, this one also inspired a TV series, Agent Carter, which which aired in early 2015 and went on for two seasons before being abruptly canceled. 
have you have you watched this one at all? Yeah, yeah, I I really like this one, uh, and I'm actually sad because the the show that it you know it created retconned this out of existence. Uh, oh really? Yeah, they they redo because the show is like the first season is essentially like a stretching out that dynamic over a season of of her in that kind of office and forget that it's Bradley Whitford. Uh, he's not there, and that was also said. It's the oh boo, yeah. I forget the name of the actor. He's the guy who like blows himself up with grenades in Kong Skull Island. He's actually really good in it. Oh, uh, Shea Wiggum. Yeah, yeah. He, he's great. Yeah, he's so like, I, he's really good I, I in the never, show too. Like I never saw him before Kong Skull Island, and now it seems like he's everywhere. Maybe I'm just noticing him now. <laughs> well, he's in this one, and he's I I actually I was like you I was kind of bummed because I love Bradley Whitford, but uh, but he's really good in the show too. Okay. Um, like one thing I really noticed about especially like item forty seven of this this one is just how tight and efficient the storytelling is. Like this this short is fifteen minutes long and we get we get the whole thing. You know, the, the, we get the the dynamic of the office where she's in and her position and you know how she feels that she's be, you know she's not being used to her potential and then going out and then you have the entire mission. All of that's contained in this one fifteen minute short. I think they they accomplished quite a bit and this is like really tight efficient storytelling from a. Uh, Diaz-Pacito and uh, I forgot to mention uh, the, all four of the first shorts were written by a guy named Eric Pearson who is um, who like, I, th- I think he's pretty much a staff writer at Marvel like he has like a bunch of like uncredited work on, on like a, a whole handful of MCU films where he just kind of did bits and pieces of writing here and there I really appreciate that I, I, did, I don't feel like there's any kind of lapse in quality really I mean obviously these are much lighter and are aimed more for humor but you know, from in the acting, act, you know, direction, visual effects, all of that. It just feels like they really put, the, you know, serious money and time and effort into these shorts, which is probably why they had to stop making them. Yeah, but they're, you know, for the time they they ran, they're a lot of fun to watch. I I actually really love the the scene where she goes to uh to take down the Zodiac. I think there's like the the shooting the wall or the door in the same spot to create an opening for the the gas grenade. There's there's a lot of and using the makeup mirror as a, yeah, and know, then checking her makeup the at the very end. Yeah, there, I, there's a lot of fun stuff, and the the scene where you got the guy in the gas mask behind her is just like that shot is super cool. She really should have brought three to five agents. Yeah. As uh, as has always been the case, she did not need their help. Apparently not. Um, Whitford is great at being just kind of a, a weasel. Like I love the guy, but he he plays a great weasel. Yeah, you're gonna answer for that. He's got it's that grin. There's something about the way he can grin where it's just like, oh. Mm-hmm. Have you seen Cabin in the Woods? Slimy. Yes, and he's fantastic <laughs> at it. Yeah, him and uh, Jer- uh, Richard Jenkins are just so good together. And uh, did you, that was actually Shane Black, the voice on the phone. That's Shane Black. Oh, nice. Which is funny. Um, yeah, so this one you you have kind of we see the the birth of Shield. Uh, so does, is Dominic Cooper and and uh, uh, Neil McDonough in Agents uh, not Agents of Shield uh, in Agent Carter? Um, Dominic Cooper is yeah. He's actually in several episodes, at least of the first season. Apparently, he's in it pretty prominently in the second one as well. I there's actually a really cool bit from a uh, Agents of Shield where they. Uh, they're having to find an artifact that uh, that Red Skull found during the war, and so it opens up with a flashback with Peggy Carter and Dum Dum Dugan. So it's mm. kind of like a crossover with Captain America and Agent Carter and Agents of Shield and stuff. So, Wait, does, does does Captain America show up? No, he doesn't show up. This is oh. this is like the post war kind of cleanup with a uh, Hydra. Okay, um, I, you could you could tell that like I this this thing came out a good two years before the show and you know it w- so it would have been made you know way way before the show was even an idea but it still really feels like they're they're pushing for that concept and what's crazy is just how similar they are though like even the the logo with the silhouette i believe is the one they go for with the actual show oh just that, that, the, the dress she has like when she's that's, like framed in the doorway it's so good and like that's that's become her signature thing in the show as well the the blue dress with the red hat mm-hmm. um, and i think this might be the best end credits you know visuals maybe in the entire mcu they're cool they're really good they remind me a lot of the uh, the uh, adventures of tintin 
opening credits. I still need to see that. Yeah, I just really like the entire the way the dynamic the, the office is. Like we we get kind of a picture of the office where they're all kind of sitting there. And then the lights go off and they all just stand up and they they have their all purpose suitcases and whatnot. And it's always like so fast or uh, so satisfying to see the end. You know, with, <laughs> the, with Dominic Cooper's voice over. Oh yeah. Um, so the next one, the final one is uh, All Hail the King. This was released on the Thor The Dark World Blu-ray. Uh, this was written dire- and directed by Iron Man 3 co-writer Drew Pierce, who has gone on, who went on to make uh, Hotel Artemis, which apparently bombed. But I think he's, he's, he's still got another movie to, to direct, so he might have a career yet. This one shows uh, Trevor Slattery in prison, uh, <laughs> reckoning with some of the surprising consequences of his performance as the Mandarin. Uh, it, the, the framing device is a Scoot McNary, actually, which a uh, the, uh, the 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 guy from a BVS the wheelchair, uh, playing a, like a uh, guy trying to make a documentary on the life of a uh, Trevor Slattery, and it turns out to be he, that he is an agent of the Ten Rings, and the uh, <laughs> the Mandarin has a uh, the, the the devil has come to collect his due apparently. This one also features a uh, Sam Rockwell returning as Justin Hammer and uh, <laughs> footballer and wrestler Lester Spite as uh, Trevor's manservant Herman, and also uh the guy, the, the the prisoner that comes up and threatens, threatens uh, Trevor. He actually plays uh, Melvin Potter uh, in Daredevil. He's the guy who makes Daredevil suit. Oh, I knew he was familiar. Yeah, he, I, I had to go look him up. I was like, I know that guy. Yeah, so uh, again, a case of you know people coming back in the MCU. And the music for this was uh, composed by Brian Tyler, and you definitely get a lot of uh, Iron Man three vibes. I was about to say, I I just love the the credits in this yeah sadly this did not inspire a show about uh trevor slattery which is there's, I would there's have watched, no justice in the world uh, i would have either watched an entire season of that or just give me all of caged heat <laughs> it's just, it's just i don't want that i want trevor slattery <laughs> you're just oh, I want randomly that. going into voices all the time um i just love that he's kind of like he's <laughs> he rules the prison Ooh, the fan base Kiss my rings, bitch. Is one of the uh, what I love about this is just how similar it feels to Iron Man three. Like it feels like Shane Black, uh, which I guess Drew, you know, uh, Drew Pierce would have had a good bead on on the story and the characters and the voice and everything, mm-hmm. being a co writer. So I really like that it feels. Like it's still in the same vein of of comedy, and it's so self aware to what the Mandarin had become. You know, do the voice, do the voice. You'll never see me coming. <laughs> you know, it's, like, it's it's exactly what the conversation outside the film was. And I love uh, how self aware, like in meta, it is at at poking up like the the lion. Oh, here comes the fan base. <laughs> um, or the I've read the bloody internet message boards. Vicious, <laughs> like it's just so completely aware of of the the backlash. And it's essentially a response to the backlash. Essentially saying, "Oh wait, no, he's not the real Mandarin. The real Mandarin's over there. Don't worry. You know, we we still love you." Kind of thing. Um, and that usually really annoys me, but I I couldn't help but enjoy this. Yeah, yeah, it's done so well. Like. And it's not done in a way that feels like disrespectful to the film, where it's like, not it's not like they took the coward's approach, like, well, that that wasn't real, like you know, as if they're trying to hide it, like they're they're reveling in Trevor Trevor Slattery. That that's why I love it so much, is because they're like, it's it's Iron Man three in style and humor and presentation and everything, and it's just like, uh, <laughs> like fifteen minutes of who we got in the second half of Iron Man three, and they're doubling down on it, so. They can apologize with it and still completely own up to what they did and love it. Yeah. How did you not know what was going on? Three little words. Lovely trucks. <laughs> Every single line. And we, it's like we get another great performance from Kingsley because he's <laughs> obviously amazing here. I'm an actor, love, not a bloody rocket surgeon. <laughs> I love that line. Um uh, so yeah, obviously the guy come, comes out and shoots everyone. Poor Herman. Yeah. So I guess now... Uh, Trevor Slattery's going to be executed on live TV by the Mandarin? Is that what's going to happen afterwards? Like, you know, we're going to put a hole in you for every one of our rings? Yeah, I I am really hoping, especially now that we got some Comic-Con news about the Mandarin returning, if this, if this movie gives us another glimpse at Trevor Slattery, I... I'm not ready to lose him. I'm not ready to lose him because he's worth protecting. 
but I just I just want to see him again. If they have if they've got like the boldness to just bring him back and give him another role, I would love it. Yes. Uh, um and of course I, Justin Hammer has a brief appearance and he's pathetic as ever. Yeah, so after this, Marvel unfortunately quit making these shorts. Just the the production for the films got so busy that they couldn't afford to put the time and effort necessary, and you know, to keeping these at the level of quality that they have been put, they have been um, making them with. Like people have been asking a lot over the years whether or not they were the return, and you know, in typical Kevin Feige fashion, you know, he neither confirms nor denies anything. So. You don't know if there's any plans at all, but as far as we know, it seems, this seems to be kind of a thing of the past. Um, and something else happened uh, last week, which will be about two weeks ago by the time this was released. Uh, something called San Diego Comic-Con, which is funny. Like Initially, they made an announcement that Marvel wasn't even going to be at Comic-Con, and then they came and completely owned Comic-Con, and they're the only thing anyone's talking about. I, I st- I'm still convinced that was probably a marketing move. It had to have been. I, and I can't imagine what Comic-Con would have been without that because it is kind of weird that the only thing I'm really hearing online about it is just their panel. Like there's no real other big announcements. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there are things that other people care about who like intentionally follow things but in terms of the general conversation. Yeah. But like there's really not a whole lot of just if you look quick glances at, at a you know, online news and stuff. It's all pretty much dominated by their panel. Yeah, so they gave us the entire Phase 4 lineup for the next for uh, 2020 and 2021. Um, start, we're just going to run through the, all the films and uh, TV shows they announced, which is funny because like we, we we knew a lot of this information. Like, we knew about Black Widow, The Eternals, Shang-Chi, The Falcon, and all the TV shows, but, like, none of them were officially announced. Like, Black Widow is shooting and coming out in like eight months eight or nine months and like and they made they never even acknowledged its existence until a week ago um so yeah black widow is coming out on may 20 may 1st 2020 um my birthday oh really neat um it is directed by kate shortland and uh she is uh, the director of a couple of indie films probably the biggest one being berlin syndrome starring uh, Teresa palmer um i haven't seen anything from her i have not either I mean, in addition to Scarlett Johansson, it'll star Rachel Weiss, Florence Pugh, David Harbour, Ray Winstone. And uh, my favorite part about this is it's going to be shot by Rob Hardy, who is the DP behind uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. Oh, wow. Nice. That's a score. And uh, it's taking place after Civil War, you know, um, after she goes on the run for helping Captain America and Bucky. So or I'm assuming she went on the run. Like it, the ending seemed to indicate that she would be then going on the run. And, and next time we see her, she's with Captain America. So. And so there's there's a good possibility Cap might show up in this film. Mm, not ready for it. It, it. it might just be like an end credit scene where like she joins up with him and and, uh, and Bucky or something. Uh, I'm excited for it though, and I didn't like. I'm actually really really happy about the cast. Uh, ready to see David Harbor in another like big budget movie that's mm-hmm. not gonna bomb. Have you seen Florence Pugh in anything? Uh, she was just in. She was the lead in Midsummer, and oh, yeah, she yeah, yeah. is phenomenal it's to me like um tony uh tony collette with hereditary she's not going to get nominated for anything but she was fantastic yeah i saw her in uh outlaw king the, the chris pine robert the bruce movie and then uh fighting with my family and she was really good in both of those so i'm excited to see her you know, get, get a shot at some big stuff in in hollywood uh <laughs> of course david david harbour you know he's always great um yeah so like there's there's really not a lot of plot details no i think the villain's gonna be taskmaster or whoever that is I have no idea. Um, so the, the the next one is uh, is the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, it's a TV show that's going to be on Disney Plus in fall of 2000, uh, 2020. Uh, this one, of course, features uh, Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie as uh, the Winter Soldier and the Falcon. Or like, did they confirm whether or not he's going to be called Captain America or if he's just going to keep being the Falcon? I, I have wish he, no idea. I just maybe Cap- Captain Falcon. That'll work. There we go. Just a. So Captain America is Steve Rogers, and, uh, and and you know uh, what, what's his name? Uh, what's, what's what's the character's name? Uh, the Falcon's character name? Oh, uh, Sam. Sam Wilson. Yeah, yeah. Like I like I like the character, but you know he hasn't earned like, like he he's always been like kind of a, a a very small sidekick. He's not he's not Captain America level yet. Maybe maybe the show will get him there. And uh, Derek Kolstad from John Wick is going to be one of the writers, which I don't even know if that's a good thing. Like. 
I love John Wick a lot, but like 95% of that is in the direction. I guess the mythology and world building is, is really good. And that's on the right. I was about to say, I, I actually really like the ideas in the movie. So I think if he can bring that kind of creativity that he brought there. It'll be cool. Mm. And I am like one of the two like huge Zemo fans. I, I think he's like, he was, I think like before Thanos, he was the second best villain in the MCU. Uh, and I really like Daniel Bruce, Bruce's performance. So I'm definitely excited that he's, he's, that wasn't just a one and done like most MCU villains. Yeah, I'm I'm just excited because I didn't dislike him. I I was not on your level of love for him, but I was really hoping to see him return with that like last ominous line from him in Civil War. So we'll finally get like a follow up to that, hopefully. And but I I really hope they keep that level of kind of of sympathy for him. Like I I don't want him to become like a cackling villain. If like they can keep kind of that that you know they're obviously misguided and a villain, but also very understandable and empathetic would be would be pretty awesome the next up we have the eternals which comes out on november 6 2020 this one is directed by chloe zhao uh the biggest film she's done uh, was the rider that came out like two years ago and everyone was talking about it um i never saw it uh this was going to star angelina jolie richard madden kumail nanjiani brian tyree henry and selma hayek which this this is probably the weirdest mcu cast i've seen i was about to say this is so out of left field to me you know, they're all great actors, but it's it's not you like I get maybe like I I don't it doesn't kind of fit the normal MCU bill, and I don't even know that's that's kind of why I'm excited for it. You know, because you look at Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, uh, Scarlett Johansson, yeah. Brie Larson, Scarlett Johansson, like they they all is like you see them like yeah that's a that's an MCU star if there ever was one, and so to see a, like a cast of a not you know 30 year old i guess richard madden sort sort of fits the bill of handsome 30-ish fellow but uh yeah angelina jolie obviously is still beautiful and still has it but you know she's she's a bit older as well than you normally go for as well for for you know, for an mcu lead she'll i'm sure she'll do awesome yeah i don't even know what the eternals is i'd never heard of them before like they, they we started hearing like rumblings about this movie earlier this year do you have any concept of what they are not at all. Cool. So this is a movie coming out. <laughs> yeah. So like a lot of the of these heroes and groups, the movie will probably be my introduction to them, and then I'll end up reading them afterwards. Yeah. Um, I wonder if this is just like their replacements for the Inhumans. Like, well, huh. that tank. We need another weird super group or whatever it's gonna be. Oh, what's the uh, the DC movie that Ava Duvernay is doing? Uh, oh, uh, gods? new gods, new gods. Like this sounds a lot. Like I, I like just the, the 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 both projects sound so similar, even though I know nothing about them. <laughs> uh, so the next one is uh, Shang Chi: The Legend of the Ten Rings. Going to come out on February twelfth, two thousand twenty-one. Although looking at how often these release dates change, I wouldn't uh, bet on anything. You know two years away uh or as far as the, the actual release dates this one is going to be directed by destin daniel Cretton, um from such films as short term 12 and the glass castle and they are really doubling down and hiring like indie drama directors for these films i which can go very well you know the russo brothers or can go you know not so well you know with the, the you know thor the dark world or uh captain marvel where like it, it, it is strange like because it, it it has worked out so often, you know, John Favreau came from, you know, fairly small films and just, you know, knocked out of the park with Iron Man. So you really never know. You can't just say like, oh, you you can't, you don't want to just get worried because it's a small director who hasn't done anything huge. But there are, I think there are enough misfires so you, it's where you can't be entirely confident in either. Have you seen either, yeah. either of his films? I haven't, but it was, it is kind of strange because I feel like this isn't even uh, an MCU specific thing anymore. I mean, all of the, like the MonsterVerse movie directors were indie directors before taking that on. So it just, it kind of seems like a... Two of them are horror directors. Yeah. Like Adam and so Wingard, like, Michael Dougherty, they've both been around for a long time and done a bunch of films. Or at least uh, Wingard had. Yeah, but they're all like kind of a indie lower budget stuff yeah. with very, very little uh, conversation around them. Didn't work out all that well. <laughs> yeah. I guess, that, well... Uh, Gareth Evans did pretty well, at least for his film. Um, yeah, so th this one's interesting. Like, you, they wanted to go for the Asian director, but you think like it's a kung fu movie. Like, there are, are is there no shortage of like kung fu, like uh, Asian kung fu directors they could have mined? 
that's maybe they wanted someone who would who would have played ball or something. That's what I'm most disappointed in because I want a great martial arts like big budget blending it in with like a, like abilities and powers and all this stuff. I I want to see that on screen. Like give me give me the raid but with more story, more emotion and and like you know some some marvel effects and stuff or or give me in a, a bigger way you know the the hallway scene from daredevil it's just like these just fantastic uh action scenes with amazing choreography and a great stunt team like i want to see that mm-hmm. and that's what i'm i i know nothing about shang chi i mean same with the eternals i'd never even heard of it before yeah, but, and the thing is, like, I often get just as excited for the announcements of, of these characters and groups that I've never heard about as I do with, like, characters that I do know because, you know, Guardians are now some of my favorite characters in any superhero film. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I enjoy them outside of the films now as well, like reading comics and, and in the games and stuff. And so, to me, this is just another opportunity for, for me to get introduced to a new character that I'm going to love. But... Yeah. I think the the expectation for me is like it's going to have really great action and who knows maybe maybe it really will maybe they're gonna get you know just all the right people and and maybe uh you know Cretan is gonna su- surprise me. But. Yeah, I mean the, the Russos came out of nowhere and they're like action masters. Um, also it's gonna be starring a uh, Simu Liu and as a uh, Shang Chi. I've never heard of him. Um, and then Tony Chu Wai Leung as uh, the Mandarin. Um. I never heard him before, but he's apparently in that movie in a mood for in the mood for love, which uh, a lot of people talk about. Um, also, Aquafina is going to be there in there, and I really hope she's not going to be doing the Aquafina thing. <sighs> she has a persona which is like occasionally funny, but generally kind of irritating. But also, apparently, she's really good in that movie, The Farewell, which I, I kind of want to see. So hopefully, she'll actually be acting this time. <laughs> I've never heard of her until this announcement, and everybody has so many strong opinions on it. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. Yeah, she was, she was in uh, Crazy Rich Asians and the um, Ocean's 8 movie. Oh, uh, okay. So uh, then there's uh, WandaVision is a TV show. It's going to be coming to Disney Plus in spring of 2021. Worst name ever. <laughs> Possibly. I've actually I've actually heard I could have like double meanings where it's actually like Wanda, like Wanda's vision. Maybe it's kind of a play on words. Uh, even with the pun, it's <laughs> it's awful. So this one is will supposedly lead directly into Doctor Strange two. Uh, Paul Bettany and uh, Elizabeth Olsen will be returning. Um, also, at uh, uh, Tayona Paris as Monica Rambo, who is the daughter of Lashana Lynch's character from Captain Marvel, which is interesting. Like she becomes Captain Marvel in the comics, but who? I, I doubt that that'll be happening in this show. You know. They'll often bring characters over from the comics and entirely change their roles. I've only heard like kind of rumblings that it's supposed to be like super weird and trippy. I don't know, maybe like a Legion type show, which could be really interesting. Like I, I, I'm kind of against this idea of bringing back the characters that were killed in the snap, and it, I, you know, it could feel really cheap. But however, like if this show plays out, like it wouldn't it be awesome if like the entire show played out and, and Vision never really came back, but it was all like hallucinations from wanda with vision like it's like it all kind of played out in her head with the you know the crazy witchy magic that that could be really cool i really really do hope they go full forward with like the 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 psychedelic weirdness uh because i i love legion and the the way it uses visuals and and time jumps and weird cuts and stuff if they they allow themselves to get trippy like that and Mm to and to play with Vision without fully bringing him back, because I will, I will genuinely be disappointed if he's like truly brought back. Um, yeah, because at this point you got, uh, you know, Black Widow. You know, she's got her own movie. It's a, pre- it's a prequel, so that's okay. You know, Loki's back, uh, Gamora's back. If they bring back Vision too, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get, start getting annoyed. Yeah, yeah. So and then that, that's supposed to lead into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which comes out on May seventh, two thousand twenty-one. What are your thoughts on this title? I think it's kind of like i get it but it's like it, that's just too much it's a giant mouthful the same with like the shang chi and the legend of the ten rings like chill just calm down i'm on the opposite i absolutely love the title and i love the and the legend of the ten rings as well the reason i love this so much 
is because I, if I close my eyes, I can picture those sprawled across comic books in the 1960s, like with the giant blocky green lettering. These you know, are doctors. movies, James. I know. And that's what makes me so happy, though, is the them being just so willing to embrace all of the pulpy ridiculousness of, of the comics. I, I love I, the title. I mixed there. Because, like, what made the MCU great for the first three, for, like I said, the first two phases is that they really played it real and straight. And, you know, they, they've gone crazy with, I think, varying degrees of success. Like, the, the cosmic stuff has been hit or miss. Doctor Strange worked pretty well. Guardians of the Galaxy worked really well. I think they stumbled a bit with the second Guardians of the Galaxy. Then you got Captain Marvel. Like, I, would, I think they stumbled a bit with Guardians of the Galaxy as a movie, but I don't think any of the galaxy or cosmic stuff is, is the reason well, for that. Just the going crazy, you know, you know, losing all restraints and just giving a director, like, the permission to get as wacky as possible that can work, you know, as of the first guardians of the galaxy or Dr. Strange, or it can be kind of a mess. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think the reason that I'm, I'm a lot more confident here is because one, I really love Scott Derrickson as a director. Oh yeah. He's um, going back too. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is, which is really great. Cause I, 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 I haven't seen any of his other films, but I, I do really appreciate what he did with the, uh, Doctor, the first one, especially like the the character and thematic stuff, I quite appreciate. And most people talked about the visuals, but I really I really love the kind of the character and arc they created there. Uh, Sinister is one of my favorite horror films ever. Um, that's the, which that's the Ethan Hawke one, right? Yes. And so he also like they they I think he quoted saying like this is going to be the first real horror film in the MCU. I I'm hesitant to believe that it's going to be a genuine horror film. But I'm going to be really pleased if he allows himself to go a lot darker and scarier. Because there were those teases even for the, the first Doctor Strange. Like he was sharing some some panels from the really dark, trippy, creepy uh, comics from, from the character. And, and I, would, I would describe any bit of, uh, of Doctor Strange that way. And in terms of like, you know, freaky. So if he's, if he's going to be allowed to go scary here in any way i'm i'm more okay with them embracing the the ridiculousness of comics because mm -hmm. to me the the danger in that lies way more in trying to be fun and crazy um whereas if if they don't if he if he has less restraints and he's going more horror i don't see i don't see a lack of restraint being nearly as big of an issue that route i because horror requires like a tight control yeah to be to work well so the next one is going to be loki is another show coming to disney plus in spring of 2021 this will follow the loki who escaped with the tesseract in endgame spoilers for endgame uh i don't know what to make of this like i adore loki loki is great you know we the majority of the love we had for Thor the Dark World was focused around Loki. But I think that character's done. You know, he had a fantastic arc where he was, you know, the villain in two films, an anti-hero in, in, in the next one, you know, an anti-hero in the next two, you know, finally becoming the hero at the end of Ragnarok and then, you know, going out as the hero in Endgame, in, in Infinity War. It's like he's had, you know, a great arc across like six movies. Like, I don't know, really know what else you could do with like you, I, like other than you know repeating that same arc over again because you know it's not going to be all that satisfying if you watch a TV series with him and he's like just as evil or more evil at the end. So, like, what are you going to do with him? Um, yeah, I I'm excited for it uh, just because I I love Hiddleston so much and yeah. I like as long as he's on screen I'm going to probably enjoy it. I think there are a couple like there are different routes they could go that could be all right. Uh, Honestly, I, I think I would most prefer them to not try to do anything thematically strong. Just if they just want to give like crazy story of the week from Loki as you know, uh, I don't even know. He'd be a, a criminal of multiple, multiple not dimensions but multiple um, worlds, and just trying to to outrun you know galactic law or, or whatever. I if if they just wanted to go not super weird but but fun and funny and not not try to say here's our new take on the character or, or here's here's a great dramatic art for him because like you said they they kind of finished a great story for him 
So if they're just using this as a story of the week with, with a character that we know is going to be entertaining, I mean, I'm guess I'm I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. Like a, like a, a half hour kind of comedic series could be fun. Yeah. Um. Then there's What If, which is an animated series coming to uh to Disney Plus in the summer of 2021. Um. This this is interesting. I I wonder how much this is going to play into MCU proper. From what I heard. It's going to take the MCU canon and then do a what if twist on it rather than like comic canon. Like it's not going to be playing out of the comics. It's going to be playing on, you know, what viewers know from the MCU, which, which, which is pretty cool. Um, I guess, you know, a, a lot with an animation show and a lot of it's, it's much more up in the air as far as what, what level of quality and budget and effort they're going to be putting into it. I, I hope it's not something like super cheap like in the forces of destiny or something. That's exactly where my mind was going. And so I, I don't know. I can't get one like the, the, uh, the premise is cool enough, but it's not really something that super excites me. So I don't know. I guess it'll, I'll wait and see, you know, if, if the, if the animation and, and everything intrigues me, I'll, I'll, I'll look forward to it. It'd be really cool that you know they get, get like super experimental, like bring in various like directors and like talent and animation styles and kind of really play with the concept. Yeah, who knows? Um, then there's uh Thor: Love and Thunder. Uh, comes on May fifth, two thousand twenty-one. Now I don't even want to talk about this. James, say something. Uh, so this is a uh, an a, abomination. A new movie by Taika Waititi. <laughs> um. I say, I say this. I, I give Ragnarok like a four star movie. I like Ragnarok a lot, but yeah, I I don't know. Uh, the viewers, if if uh, nobody's picked up on it, we're not huge fans of uh, of where we left our darling Thor. Uh, if we even want to call the call him Thor anymore, where we left Chris Hems, Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, just essentially just like Chris Hemsworth and what he thinks is funny and what he wants to do while he's in makeup and stuff. Uh, and a fast suit. Not really a character to me. Yeah, it's the it's the next one. It's got Natalie Portman uh, is coming back as like the mighty Thor. Um, which, which like, if this was a, like a, a director with some dramatic chops, like, I can't even say because like, Tech YTD has dramatic chops. He did what for the world of people. But like watching Ragnarok, you would guess that this guy did not have a dramatic bone in his body. And so, which means we're probably going to get a, a goofy, really goofy take on this, on this character, this twist of the character without any, you know, thematic or dramatic weight. Like Ragnarok. Yeah. I'm, I'm worried about it. Cause there's, from what I've heard, they do really cool stuff with mighty Thor in the comics. Um, the, like, they, and like you said, they they do a lot of dramatic stuff that works really well and challenges the character, and it goes back to being about like uh, worthiness and stuff. And <laughs> that's also the point of contention I have with with the series and with what they're doing. With don't the even know what the word means. And so yeah, and I mean with the title "Love and Thunder," like I have absolutely no no hope for anything serious coming from this. Tessa Thompson's going to be back. Uh, I don't know who else is returning. Uh, Taika Waititi as Korg. That's the most important thing. There we go. Yeah. You know what? This what movie if... will never be a total loss because Korg will be there. Yeah. I'll, even if I have to zone everything out, just I'll, I'll watch the... It'll To me, it'll be a, a buddy comedy with Korg and Meek that happens to have way too much time spent on things not that. Yeah, the, the whole bringing Natalie Portman back is it just reeks of desperation, which is odd because like why are they desperate? Like people love for some incomprehensible reason to me now. People love the new take on Thor. I don't understand trying to replace him already. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know what their goal is. Like I don't and, and like because like, the character of Jane Foster is not like remotely beloved in the fandom. Like I enjoy her a lot in the first film, but after that, I can throw the dark world. She's useless. It's like what are you gonna? Like, what made anyone want to come back to that character? Like, they really they dropped her fairly heavily. No, we saw her back in Endgame. They love her again. Well, no, that was, that was they, they took a deleted scene from Thor: The Dark World <laughs> in Endgame. That's how little they cared about her before this. Although I wonder if that was not to warm audiences back up for this. I I, I don't think it was. That was like two, three years ago when it would have been shot. Or maybe 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 a year or two ago, probably two years ago, and 
if they were really warming audiences up to have her back, they they would have probably probably hired her. And yeah, although it does kind of it is funny kind of the way it looks now. Yes, like it'll probably be a good movie. You know, Ragnarok is a good movie. Yeah, uh, my my problems with it are more thematic and I, the fact that I don't think it understands the character, not because I think it's bad. I think it's very well done. So this will probably be fun and I will try to pretend it doesn't actually exist in the MCU. <laughs> All right. And then we come to Hawkeye, uh, which is another Disney plus show coming out in fall of 2021. Uh, it will feature Jeremy Renner returning as Hawkeye training Kate Bishop, who is a person. I, I guess I think she's like, another Hawkeye character. Yeah. We're really showing our lack of comic, which knowledge. again, which again reeks of desperation. Like, okay, this character isn't hitting. Well, I guess we got to bring in the female version of it or whatever. We'll see. It could be, if, if they do like, um, like what they do with like Logan or the punish, the second season of the Punisher, like where it's kind of a more gritty thing where you have the two characters kind of on the run and bonding together. That, that could be pretty cool. Or like maybe some of the Wanda and, uh, and, uh, Hawkeye relationship. Thinking what if they what if they go real doubtful, but what if they go real dark and do um oh crap the the actress Carrie Russell from Mission Impossible Three gave us this long relationship only to take her. That could happen because you cannot replace Hawkeye. There's only one Hawkeye. His name is Jeremy Renner. Um, so I I love the Hawkeye character. You know, he, he's he's always been a side character. He's, you know, he's never really had all that much dramatic weight on himself, but. I, I think Jeremy Renner is just fantastic at ensembles, just bouncing off everyone. And what they did in the, in a, in Age of Ultron and Civil War, where they kind of created this relationship between him and Wanda, I thought was really cool. Um, so so I I'm really interested to see if they can make his character like a mainstay, where he actually has you know a real arc. And I would love that. I I, I also really loved what they did with him in Endgame. Just. The way, you know, they had him processing grief yeah. as this guy who didn't have that. You know, like, who was he outside of S.H.I.E.L.D.? And we don't really, we know he was a family man. And when you take that from him, you know, he's, you reveal things about him to himself. And, like, a show that ha- forces him to to live with the new understanding of where what he's capable of. Maybe he's training somebody um, as his good deed. You know, like, maybe he's trying to seek some sort of, like forgiveness which the whole existence of the show does make it a little worrying like for like for the last five films he's been all he wants to do is just retire to his farm and have a picnic with his kids so like are they gonna undo all that again like, they better not kill his family oh if they kill his family i riot and i burn marvel studios to the ground yes is kate bishop gonna be like they had his daughter and she would seem to be you know, pretty good as archery. And the daughter was in Endgame was actually played by a, a, one of the, I think it was Joe Russo's daughter, which is funny because she looks more like Jeremy Renner than <laughs> she does Joe Russo. Take that how you will. <laughs> uh, did you know, like, she, she looks like Jeremy Renner, which is funny. Uh, I, I didn't know. I, I only saw, and this adds me, I only saw the movie once. So I'll, whenever I see it again, what? I know. <gasps> yeah. So again, like there's so little information about these things. Are you familiar at all with the character of Kate Bishop? Not at all. Same here. All right, and the last thing they announced was Mahershala Ali will be Blade, and I cannot think of a better like no, better you know casting choice. Like that dude has so much charisma and just presence, you know, just standing staring at you. So I, I know that you and I are not particularly huge fans of Wesley Snipes' portrayal. Um, for, I I get the love to me. I view him very much as I do with Michael Keaton, where it's like, hey, it's not for me. I get why people growing up with this character would like him. He can he can pose, he can scowl, he looks cool. I don't care about his performance, though. Um, yeah, like, I get it. You know, it was, this was, a- after Schumacher, you know, kind of destroyed the genre, this was another attempt to really take it quote unquote seriously you know it's it's 90s seriously you know which which isn't serious at all, <laughs> serious at all um yeah yeah like i, I don't know I, I i the first two films are okay i thought i mean the second one definitely better than the first you know guillermo del toro is a pretty talented fellow but i i just found the character so dull and, and just any story they had completely uninteresting so but marshall ali you know can you know, act circles around Snipes with his pinky. So I'm sure they can make it a really empathetic character. Yeah, I'm really excited about it because one, he, the guy could just get like 
give you this look and it, it'll it'll intimidate you in the same way that anything Wesley Snipes could do. And he looks, I mean, just on stage, he looks cool. Like he's got such a commanding presence. Yeah. Uh, and so I have no doubt that everything awesome and cool about just like the being able to pose and look cool and have a cool silhouette and everything. Like he's going to embody all the coolness of the character, but he's going to give us a character as well, like an actual character. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, Ollie is fantastic in everything he's been in. Uh, the only sad thing to me is I this kind of does away with Netflix canon, maybe. I mean, I could believe that uh, Cottonmouth was a uh, was a vampire. Why not? Or a half vampire? Yeah, but I don't know. <laughs> I doubt that that's the route they go. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's kind of sad to me, especially since um, Feige and and the MCU. Like this is their show like these are their shows now they're disney plus it seems like they really don't care about netflix at all anymore after the cancellations and so mm-hmm. yeah i have i have no which is sad because they did such damn great work with that the, the, at the start yeah you know daredevil season one is incredible jessica jones season one is incredible and you know after that it was a serious mixed bag but like for me like daredevil season one is like the height of television yeah, it's been, and then you know even after some of the missteps, we still had uh, like I heard Punisher was really great. And- oh, dude, the Punisher season one made me cry so freaking hard. Like it's a really slow burn season. I think that turns some people off, but like at the end when all the different plot points come together, it's I. That's I think that's like on a level with you know the first two seasons of the first seasons of Daredevil and Jessica Jones. It's I need to check them out. So and powerful. And I heard that like uh, or I enjoyed Daredevil season two. It wasn't nearly as good as the first, I, but I thought it was still really good. I mean, yeah, it's the introduction of the Punisher. Come yeah. on. And uh, and so yeah, I I was season three was pretty good too. There was a so there's a lot about it, you know they there was a couple of missteps, but even by the end of it, it's not like they were completely out of it. They were still putting out great stuff. So who knows? Yeah. All right, so out of these, which film are you most excited for and which show are you most excited for? Um, not, not counting Blade, because we don't know anything about that. So I am probably most excited for Doctor Strange. Uh, ever since his first, like, of all of the sequels that I've been wanting, his, uh, his is the one that I've been wanting the most. Like, I really like Doctor Strange 1 a lot, but... Now that his origin has been told, I'm really looking forward to what they do with the character. And I I loved him in Infinity War and Endgame. And so I I really look forward to seeing where they take the character from here. Uh, what all Derrickson's gonna be able to do with the visuals and everything, getting into this the craziness and weirdness. Um yeah, I love the character a lot. I love Benedict Cumberbatch as as the as the lead, and so I'm looking forward to that. I, I probably would have said Shang-Chi if it if it was a, a director that I was like really confident in and in action just because I'm actually probably going to be binging some Kung Fu movies because I randomly just got the kick for it. But uh, but as it stands, just with everything announced about the movies, I think uh, Doctor Strange is what I'm most looking forward to. And as for the shows, uh, it's probably either um, Winter Soldier and the Falcon or Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, also, not a great name. None of these shows really <laughs> have great names. Other than What If. That's a good Yeah, one. that's cool. Uh, so, either that or Hawkeye. Uh, those are the characters of these that I love the most. Um, so, they're not. it's not really based on, you know, the, a premise that excites me. I just, I really love all of those characters and, and I look forward to spending more time with them. Yeah, so I guess it's going to sound kind of cheap. The, the two ones that I am most excited for are the first two coming out. Uh, like Black Widow, um, I, I like the concept. I really like the Black Widow character. I, I don't think she gets enough love. I think Scarlett Johansson did an incredible job. And, you know, the character that you know, Joss Whedon created in The Avengers and then what the Russos did. I think she's really fascinating and maybe never quite got the level, you know, the, the level of uh, focus that she could have, uh, she could have ha- uh, handled. Um, so, yeah, and to, to be honest, like, I'm really... I'm really confused why her. I'm probably get this, getting this in the uh, in the Captain Marvel review, but I'm kind of confused why her movie didn't come out. Seeing as like it, it would have been so perfect, like if her movie had come out in the Captain Marvel slot, and then taking that and going into Endgame with that in mind, 
it would have been like you know the perfect com- goodbye for seeing as you know captain marvel never even figured uh, you know, figured into endgame in any meaningful way they wanted to get a superhero film out with a female lead i get that but i, I wonder why they chose that instead of this yeah weird but um yeah so i'm excited for that um I'm 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 really hoping we get like a really gritty, you know, focused uh, spy thriller, and then the show I'm most interested in is is yeah either the Falcon and the Winter Soldier or Hawkeye as well. Um, same reason you said. Although I I, I am excited very much for uh, Daniel Brühl returning. Yeah, that's gonna be cool. He'll he'll bring some gravitas to the show. Um, and like neither the I think neither the Falcon or the Winter Soldier have, you know, they've been, they've both definitely been side characters. I'm I'm interested to see how they what they do to try, you know, to beef them up, to, to turn them into leads. Yeah. So that uh, is the next phase of the MCU. All of that is coming out in just two years, which is nuts. Yeah. It's weird. I was looking at these announcements and I was just thinking like, for, and this is just for me personally, this is either going to like, what I see, especially from trailers and the way they're marketing it, this is either going to, this is going to force me to make my decision as to whether I'm going to continue to just like really invest emotion and time into the MCU after like Endgame mm-hmm. and uh, Far From Home. Far From Home being a surprisingly good epilogue uh, to the yeah. series. Um, and so I don't know if if this just seems to move on in a, in a weird way. I'll, I'll still see him obviously, but I may just kind of view phase three as as the end. Or if they if they evolve in really interesting ways, you know, it's su- uh, surprising to me. I may just end up loving it in the same way I have everything before. But it, it really does feel, and I'm sure this is intentionally, but it, it definitely feels like a line has been drawn between like the first three phases and this. And you know, we'll we'll see uh, how it pans out. It'll be very interesting. Yeah, like they, they've they've already got me on Doctor Strange and Spider Man. Um, they've lost me on Thor. Uh, I think these shows, you know, building off of characters that we're familiar with are interesting. It is interesting that all the characters, like a lot of the old guard is going to shows instead of movies. That's an interesting choice. Um, I really feel like the success of these shows are really going to define a lot of the way the MCU plays out in future. Like if all these shows come out and they're all pretty lame, I feel like this experiment will end fairly quickly. But if they're all really great, I think it's there's there's probably gonna be a lot of changes in you know the, the way that the MCU is packaged and ha- how they relate to each other and all that. Like it's gonna probably become even more interconnected, and maybe we'll get like uh, just uh, we might even get uh, you know Disney Plus movies and whatnot in the MCU. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I'm excited. One of the things that I'm most surprised about is is omissions. Like I I was definitely expecting a a, a Spider Man or. De- like I would, I was surprised. There's no Black Panther two. Yeah, that is well. They they were they were very focused. Like they said, like we're not going to talk about anything after the next two years. So if it's not coming out in the next two years, we're not going to talk about. It. And you know, these movies take two years to make. You know, or often more than two years to make. So that's true. And so anything that's in, anything, anything that's like in really early stages is still is is you know not even discussed. That, that so was something probably, that uh, at least that kind of confused me. So they. And I didn't actually watch the panel uh, or any recording or anything, um, I, so I didn't see how how it was worded. But it seemed to me that that this is like this is phase four. Yeah, I think so. So phase four is just two years. <sighs> These phases never made any sense. So. I don't know. Like to me, they like I, I are they even building up to another Avengers? Like we don't we don't know how the. Like I have no idea or any concept of how the MCU is going to be structured now that the Avengers, now that Endgame happened and all the core Avengers are gone. Like, are we going to get like a new team? Like, there are a lot of teams in the comics. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if they just like rebuild the Avengers or they build to like the new Avengers or young Avengers or something. Uh, I bet they've got something that they're building towards. Um, but what's surprising, like they, it's you know being referred to at like they they were the ones using the words you know phase four. It seems like they're committed to to the structure they've laid out. I'm sure we'll be building to something different, but yeah, yeah. It's it, to me, it still seems like they're taking them in waves. Yeah. So and they they didn't say anything about the Fox properties, the Fantastic Four, or X Men, but D twenty three is next month. And so we'll probably get all the, the the next phase of MCU announcements there, or maybe not. Like Feige likes to play it close to the chest, so who knows? 
maybe we'll just get trailers. All right, so that that uh, was the, the Marvel one shots and all the Comic Con announcements. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed our discussion on that. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to please uh, head over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review and subscribe. Uh, if you want to like us on Facebook, we are there as Franchise Geek Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram as at Franchised Pod. And if you want to find all our other episodes and our reviews of the MCU films, you can go to FranchiseFatiguePodcast.com. And where can people follow you, James? You can follow me on Letterboxd. I'm there as J.L. Hamry. It's J-L-H-A-M-R-I. And you can also join both of us over on Facebook at The Outer Rim, a Star Wars group. We were both admins with some friends there. Uh, We're facilitating a Star Wars marathon leading into Rise of Skywalker. So definitely head over there and join us if you're interested. And I am also on Letterboxd, and there's Gabriel Green. You can find me on Twitter as at Gabe A. Green, and I am on Instagram as Gabe the Great Green. Uh, yeah, so next week we will be back to the to the main MCU with Captain America, the Winter Soldier, and I am seriously pumped. Yeah, this is uh, this is the one that I'm most looking forward to. Yeah, the one, the, I guess, you know, the one that reinforced everyone's faith in the MCU after Iron Man three, and um, especially the Dark World kind of didn't quite meet expectations. So until next week, we will see you in the sequel.